Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Nadine Deeds, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. bluenile.com Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I'm talking with Jonathan Bottomley, who just left Ralph Lauren as global CMO to become the new CMO of Bolin Branch. Jonathan, hi and welcome to CMO Moves. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. No, thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to be here with you cuz we're kind of sharing your news. You just posted today on LinkedIn about your new move and this is the first time we're hearing about it. So thank you for coming on CMO Moves to share with everyone else. No, you're welcome. I think it's such a great podcast and um, you know, I'm just happy to be part of it and and sharing the news. And we are going to have some fun today too because actually when I told my colleague Heidi Palermo about your move, literally she jumped through Slack. She's like, "I love Bull and Branch. Oh my gosh." And I thought, "Okay, what better opportunity than to have her join us here as well." So Heidi, welcome to CMO Moves as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I remember you were talking to Jonathan on a call and I'm like, Bowling Branch, that's awesome. Okay, tell him I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel, you could say hi yourself as co-host of CMO Moves. So Heidi, over to you. Thanks, Jonathan. Again, congrats. I know you're just a few weeks into the new role. So again, thanks for making the time. But I wanted to first ask you, I'm very familiar with Bowling Branch as a brand, but you can tell us a little bit about the company and your new role and why you decided to take that on. Yeah, for sure. So um, 
Yeah, Bowl and Branch is it's an amazing business. It's really a purpose-driven business with a, a mission to make a more ethical and sustainable future. And it was founded by a husband and wife team, Scott and Missy Tannen, seven years ago. And really their vision was kind of twofold. On the one hand, I think they'd just seen an opportunity to create much better homeware, home textiles, starting with bedding. I think they were in the market themselves for it. And they realized that everything that they were looking at really wasn't very good. And they decided to try and create the best possible textiles, the best possible organic cotton bed sheets, just to create a better experience. And then also, I know that Scott and Missy have always been very focused on what they can do for others. Missy was a school teacher. And Scott had unfortunately just lost his mother. And I think it made him realize that time is short and he really wanted to make a difference in the world. So the way they went about creating these products was to say, instead of let's set up a business and let's see how much money we can make, it was rather let's set up a business in a way that everyone involved can thrive. And what they've done is really amazing. Um, You know, they've gone out and worked out a way of paying actually over the odds for the organic cotton that they source so that the process of farming is sustainable for the farmers so that these farmers have enough economic stimulus to be able to plan for harvests you know two three four uh, cycles out so that they can secure that cotton they pay for um, you know sustainable and wonderful ethical conditions in all the factories so that those factories can kind of build businesses and retain the craftsmen that they need to build the product So they did that with real vision, you know, seven, eight years ago before this had become a real trend. And it's a real privilege, actually, to be joining them on that journey. And and are you the first CMO for Bowling Bridge? I got to tell you, you know, last year when I discovered the brand, I would say it was was pretty word of mouth. I heard about it from a friend. I didn't know I hadn't seen it much anywhere. hadn't seen any ads. Tell me about that, your new role, and if it's new for the company. Yeah, so... Marketing has always been done, and there's actually a fantastic team there already. I think my role is to come in and help accelerate a couple of things, really. One is the development of the story so that we're really clear about what it is that consumers should be really motivated by, and then also to help accelerate the growth of the business. They've benefited really from some of the tailwinds. It's a long-term thing, actually. I think people are starting to take the quality and the safety of their bedding more seriously as people learn more about it. But obviously, as we've all been forced to stay at home over the past year or so, there's some real tailwinds behind the category generally. And it's really about harnessing that and and helping the business get to the next stage, consumer-led growth, probably just a more formal way of using marketing and marketing strategy to understand the consumer, to really clarify the best media mix and then to bring all that together with the brand story to grow. It's definitely a great team there already. And I'll be looking to harness that talent and grow from there. So Jonathan, amazing. And I'm jumping back in here because I remember I have been following you and I was really surprised when you took on this new role, having left Ralph Lauren as their global CMO and We're going to talk a lot more later on about sustainability, but I have to ask when you were thinking about your career path early on, did you ever think you would become a CMO? I think, look, you know, I actually, I'm not going all the way back to when I was born, but you know, when I was at college, (laughs) I studied language and literature. And as you come out into the world, you think, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to put that to good use? I wasn't good enough to be a writer. And I think I just spotted the, the power of storytelling for brands and, 
you know, so I started in the agency world. And as you grow professionally, I think you just notice that certain roles within that world hold more influence than others. And the CMO really is actually, I think that role where you have the chance to pull all the different elements that exist within agencies of all those different kinds within the commercial world together. And I always found that quite inspiring as a kid growing up and then becoming more senior. I thought, well, you know, that's the place where I think you get most of most chance to bring the the different elements together, the kind of art and the science of marketing, knowledge of the consumer, as well as developing the brand and really, you know, bringing creative and commercial together. So I always saw it as a fantastic role and I always hoped that I would become a CMO one day. I don't think at that stage I ever dreamed I'd be CMO of a company as as amazing and as a brand as wonderful as Ralph Lauren, but I definitely was moving towards that as a goal. And and when you were moving towards that and kind of really shaping and navigating your career, were there some standout decision points along the way or opportunities that you were like, okay, yes, and it, it had a, a substantial impact on your path? Yeah. Absolutely. As a few, I mean, um, you know, I, was, I, I worked at some of the world's best agencies. I spent a long time at BBH in London and early on someone said to me, the best thing you can do is surround yourself with people that are better than you. And I always found that at BBH, there was always a whole bunch of people who were better than me. So you learn. And I think that helped. I think I became you know, knowledgeable and pretty expert on what I was doing. Then there was a moment five years ago where we just got the opportunity as a family to move from London to New York. And that seemed like a great opportunity for, for me to say, all right, what next? And we moved to the city. We actually moved for Zara's job, my wife. She was at Bacardi at the time. And I had some real time out and it you know, gave me the opportunity to really spend time with the family, finding the apartment, looking after the kids. But really it was about looking at everything that New York City has to offer, that blend of energy and creativity and commerce um, and whilst doing that, I, I got a call from a really good friend, Johnny Bauer, who's I used to work with at BBH and who's been mega successful as CSO of uh, Droga. And he called me about the Ralph Lauren job. And in some ways, that would be the dream role. You move to the US and live in New York and, and work at Ralph Lauren. But I, I went through the process. It was very exacting, as you would expect. But I met Ralph eventually and we really got on. And I think, honestly, he took a chance. I hadn't been a CMO before. I hadn't worked in fashion before. But I think he was looking for something a little bit different. And, um, you know, yeah, he took a chance. That was a big moment for me. And I'll be forever grateful to him and the company. There were many others involved. And I think, I hope I repaid that faith over time. But that was a pretty big moment, I guess. That is a big moment. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't make a, a comment here that, when you and I first started chatting, I said it to you then, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks who've listened to CMO Moves in the past have caught episodes with the gentleman I'm about to mention, because you do remind me a lot of Musa Tariq, who has been a friend and a, and a frequent guest. And you laughed when I said that, because you guys actually are friends, right? Yeah. All British people know each other, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, look, I was introduced to, to Musa by another great friend, Alice De La Hunt, and um, Alice had worked for, I think, Musa Burberry. And as I was starting to think about what next and just naturally having that British connection, he's always been someone who's offered amazing advice. We also are able to reminisce about British snacks and things like that. So he's an amazing person. Wonderful. 
British snacks. I'm going to have to like get my list from both of you. And you're right. All it does seem like all Brits know each other because Elle McCarthy, another one in the British gang, it, it's amazing. There's something about your accent that no matter what you ever say, it will always sound brilliant. So I'm very jealous. That's fine. That's fine. People, it's one of those cliches that true. Obviously, back at home, no one ever thinks of that at all. This is just the way you sound. But it's in the movies and it's on TV and you come here and you think that can't possibly be true. And I, th- I think in some ways it is true. I'm not, comp- well, you're saying it's true, so it must be, I, I guess, because, but uh, I don't know. I guess it's the cultural spread of Britain. It's the one thing, the one area of influence that we still have, which is that our accent holds some level of authority in the world. So I'll take that for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it is beautiful. I lived in the UK, right outside of London for three years from ages three to six. And I have many fond memories. And I actually left with a little bit of an accent and I try really hard to, to suppress that because it pops up when I'm not expecting it. So I'm, do, I'm, I'm really trying hard here, uh, Jonathan. Um, but I would love to, to sound as smart as you for sure. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody doesn't quite understand what I'm talking about, there's a clip out there that you have to Google and watch. It's from The Tourist with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp. And it's when she meets him on the train watch it. It, it. It'll make you laugh. And it's so priceless. I love it. Anyways, I digress. But this is the fun part about CMO moves. We can have as much fun as we want, right? Okay. So let's talk about having fun. Let's talk about the things you love. What is it about being a CMO that you really love? And then Heidi's going to come back and ask you some real specific tips. Yeah, sure. I think there's lots that I love. I mean, you know, the team is probably where I'd start the people. You get such an opportunity to work with a great variety of people. Marketing has become such a broad church now from real expert analysts, people that live and can see numbers dance to clever, smart strategists who think strategically, operational people, creatives, storytellers, designers, innovators people that really understand the way that media works and just think out into the future about the way that we're all going to be connected and engage and so it's just a brilliant place to be and I I think there's a disproportionate kind of value on people and talent in the world of marketing just because of that variety that's required I also think you can you know individuals can make a real difference in the world of marketing having a strong opinion being curious understanding how you want to put your point across and making that real and, you know, and, and so I, I think the, the people that you get to work with is a real gift. I think the other thing that I really love is just the ability to kind of impact and create culture. Um, you know, whether you're in a big business or a small business, whether you have a big media budget or a small media budget, you can reach people and affect them. And I think if I go back to my inspiration for, for going down this journey, it was about storytelling, literature, the ability to move people. And I'm not going to equate great literature with great brand marketing at all because they're different things, but you know, in the end you do get the chance to say something and you do get the chance to move people. And that's an amazing thing to be able to do in the world. And I feel lucky to be able to do it. And so, uh, you know, it's just a great, great place to be. I also think that I've been very lucky to work at companies where, you know, I've been surrounded by brilliant people who I've learned from and hopefully become a little bit more like in, in some instances but also for companies that just have amazing stories and do amazing things. And my time at Ralph, that's what Ralph has always done. 
you know, his was a dream, his was a story. And, and he told that, continues to tell that story in a way that really moves people. So I've always been inspired by that. It was a great gift and a great privilege to be able to be part of that culture and that story. And, you know, if I was to give advice, I'd be like, be ambitious, try and become part of those places that do have those people that inspire you, that make you better and try and become, you know, part of companies that have a story that you're really inspired by yourself so that you can, you know, contribute to that and that you can take it out there and really help to move people because life is short and you never know what's going to happen. I think that past this past year and some personal experience of mine has taught me that. And so, um, you know, grasp that and go out and try and make a difference because you can do that in marketing. You know, Jonathan, you mentioned something a little bit ago about how Ralph hired, look at me calling him just Ralph, first name basis already. Ralph hired you as a first time CMO, no fashion experience. I think that in and of itself is something I'm sure listeners will appreciate. I know I appreciate hearing. I think it's so tough. Sometimes you put yourself in a box and feel like, you don't have the experience. There's no way I could get that role. So that I think is advice that you're passing on. Is there anything else that you learned from somebody along the way that wasn't necessarily overt advice they gave you, but something you just picked up in working closely with them or getting to know them, something you would pass on? Yeah, look, I think you're right. There's, there is implicitly some advice right there, which is just simple stuff like really believe in yourself not arrogance, but how do you want the world to be and put your energy that way? I really believe that energy flows where you put your attention. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you'll be surprised what you can do in, in, if you do that. I think the other thing is, though, there's a more kind of like foundational side of that, which is, you know, become a real expert in what you do. And I think um, become an authority on something. And if you want a seat at the table, and it doesn't matter what level you are or what kind of business you work in, if you want a seat at the table, you need to be expert in something or be building expertise in something so that people will listen, so that people will take what you have to say seriously. And I think that's incredibly important in marketing where the the tangible effects that marketing has is definitely measurable, but not all of it is. Sometimes it is opinion, sometimes it is instinct, and sometimes you have to take people with you. So persuasion, the ability, but, you know, being really expert in something and building from there is critically important. Um, And I think the other, you know, piece of advice and the thing that I've learned is one, something I've already said, but it's surround yourself with people that are better than you. So you learn by osmosis, so that you learn by habit, so that you learn just by watching. And I, I think that allows you to somehow elevate above what you may have believed you could do before because you just become better that way it's true in life isn't it you know surround yourself with friends that inspire you find a life partner that inspires you and helps you get better and I think those simple things really apply in in the professional world and and is there anything you think especially that this past year has brought where you really feel marketers really need to think differently or what's necessary for marketers to really thrive moving forward I I think I guess there's sort of two aspects to that, which is one, discipline and, and really understand what's going on. The world changed radically. And I remember it changed in like a day, really. COVID took a while to take hold. But I remember in the US, at least, it was March 15th. It was a Sunday and suddenly everyone was locked down, you know. And so trying to codify what was happening, trying to understand, you know, to use that phrase, what were the signals? What was the noise? Right. That, that was the first bit. So really knowing 
your stuff and being aware of what's going on. And just to be simple about it, read the data, understand the data, get, um, you know, real knowledge and precision about what's happening to your business, to your consumers, to your brands, to your competitors. Like that, that's incredibly important. But then I think there's an, there's another thing which is very different to that, which is as we look at where leadership, well, hopefully is now going in a different direction. But if we look at leadership in the world, if we look at the different crises that we face as a society, marketing is not going to solve it all. But I think businesses have a role to play in helping us all to move forward. And I think you've seen that more and more through the crisis, a crisis of equality, a crisis of the planet, a health crisis, an economic crisis. And I think you've seen different kinds of business in different ways step up. And I think as marketers, you are most often the channel into culture, the channel into media, the channel into the consumer and taking that responsibility seriously and saying, how do we step forward and how do we make the world a more equal and, and fairer place? How do we change the game around you know, climate change and, and, and try to do things that feel better? How do we tell stories that are more positive? How do we bring people together? And we can do that. And I think we have to become a change agent from within a company to do that. I think most companies feel that they are able to do that. You have to find the right way of doing it, not overstepping the mark. You know, um, but certainly that's one of the reasons that, you know, I've, got, I've been so inspired by Bowl and Branch because it's a business that has been built with a very clear mission to help change not just the narrative, but the effects that companies have on the planet. And I wanted to be part of a journey that was built that way from the ground up. And I hope we can make a real difference. So, Jonathan, it, it was so interesting to me. And, and it's interesting to me again today, hearing you share your point of view on things like sustainability, which does include diversity and inclusion and economic impact. Um, but last week when we were in the sustainability symposium, we had a mix of chief sustainability officers from some of the biggest brands in the world and also chief growth officers, chief brand officers, mm-hmm. chief marketing officers. And the discussion was fascinating because of how multifaceted sustainability is. And yes, there are policies and procedures. And we also had the UN there talking about the SDGs and the challenge for marketers, I think today, and tell me if I'm wrong, often I am, but the challenge for marketers is everybody knows it's the right thing to do. Everybody knows that consumers will find alternatives if they don't step up, but it's not always a clear path on how to embed sustainability into your growth objectives. And as Arancha Cordero said, turn it from a cost to a growth driver. And you're fortunate now you're in a company that lives and breathes sustainability, but what advice could you offer to marketers who want to embrace sustainability? Assuming they have full support from their companies, because that's the case they're going to have to make anyways. Like, yeah. How do they really embed it in what they do? Well, I think, I think that's the first step, right? And I think, you know, making sure that from, from board and CEO down, that is a priority. Um, you know, at Ralph Lauren, it definitely was. Definitely. Um, and so that, I think then, you know, is, is a way of forcing it right? Um, And I think forcing it is important. But I I think really, it's about like everything with marketing, it's about measurable effects. And I think it's about trying to understand how you can prove that, to use a rancher's phrase, it it is a growth driver. So what are we going to look at? And what are we going to measure to demonstrate that it is 
unlocking growth. I think we all feel instinctively that there's greater and greater pull from consumers about demanding um, products, services, ways of doing business that do have a more positive effect in every way. And I think in terms of the way that we look at talent and the ways that we look at, you know, behaving internally um, and culturally. Um, but I think businesses are about effects, aren't they? So how do you find metrics and ways of measuring that? And how do you find a way of telling that story so that it feels core to the reason that someone is actually engaging or buying with that, that product and service? You know, it's difficult when somehow the sustainability benefit or the diversity benefit whatever it might be is somehow divorced from what it is that you're actually doing when you buy the product. So I think it's just, how do you bring that story core to the brand or the product promise? Yeah, well said. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're mentioning sustainability and diversity and inclusion all in the same sentence, because they absolutely 100% go together. And you mentioned also the internal culture, all of these things are coming full circle. And I'm, I think we're in for a beautiful time in the world, hopefully, where the importance of employee health is as important as consumer perception, because those two things are non-negotiable in terms of telling the brand story in the right way and living the brand story. How do you think about your teams and building the most diverse and inclusive teams so that you can have that productive culture, both inside and out? That's a really great question. I think you, I like a term that I think has become rightly much more kind of part of the vernacular is allyship over the past year. And so I think it's, we have a responsibility, all of us to understand how can we become allies to minority communities? And how do we, you know, become more conscious of, the ways that maybe we've subconsciously, consciously blocked their progress in the past by we've got to broaden what I think we believe as what the right behaviors are to succeed, what the right ways of working are to succeed. And I, th- I think we all you know, need to spend more time focused on that so that we can create more diverse workplaces. And I think it really does start there. Once you, if you're able to develop a more diverse workforce, more diverse in terms of the people that work there, the working styles that you embrace, then I think more diversity of thought starts to come out of the way that you work and the way that you engage the world. And I think that's the way that you you move towards more positive progress. I'm not sure there's many businesses that would put their hands up and say, oh yeah, we've cracked it and we're there already. I think it's definitely a journey. But I think that's the only way that you can start. And I think, again, one of the gifts of working in marketing is that there are so many different aspects to what a great marketing team is. So there's definitely space. We've just got to see it differently, I think. You know, hey, I was going to jump in and say, Nadine, last week during the Outlook event, when I was speaking about our community at large and one thing that I'm optimistic about, one thing I failed to mention is what you touched on, Jonathan, around just the humbleness of this community to just ask questions and be open to learning from each other is just, and we saw that in the sustainability symposium, no one shows up saying I figured it out, but it's all the more reason to ask questions and learn something. So I'm glad to hear you say that, Jonathan. Is there anything else from a leadership perspective that across your, your different roles, um, something that you carry with you today that you've really held firm on? I think that you're, 
the way you see the world and, and what you hold to be important kind of changes as you develop. So I, I don't think there's any one thing that I've taken with me like all the way. But I, I do think that there are a, a couple of pieces that have always served me well, whether I was conscious of it or not. I think the first is, you know, who you work with is really important, really important, um, because it creates the atmosphere and, and kind of the ecosystem, if you like, around you. So be demanding about who it is you're surrounded with. Um, you get better that way. Um, I would go back to this point about try to become an authority on something. It's very beguiling and very persuasive when you listen to someone who really knows their stuff. And I think there's, that's not just about being senior and being an expert. I think one of the great things that we're seeing at the moment is that there are so many nascent areas of marketing that are developing. No one really knows exactly where they're going. And I think if you're relatively, you know, young into this profession then find one of those things that is new be curious master it and then suddenly that's a way of helping yourself accelerate um it really is and so i think i do think that that's good advice and then the final thing is more philosophical i guess which is like you know dare to dare to see the world in the way that you want it to be and be courageous about going after that and, and, and don't get stuck. Believe that it can be different and go chase that belief because I think certainly it worked out for me. And I think, you know, most of the people that I've, you know, been inspired by and most of the people that I look up to have done that at some point in their life around something. And I think that's something anyone can do that, right? It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jonathan, I can't believe our time has flown by so fast. I could literally listen to you for hours and it's not just the accent it's because you say things like dare to see the world the way you want it to be i'm super inspired today and and you use words like beguiling i i can't even say that correctly and i would never do it well in a sentence but anyways i i tease you but you i really do enjoy listening to your philosophies and your thoughts and I I really appreciate your point of view and I can't thank you enough uh, for joining us here today, but I can't let you go without the last question. And I asked this of all our guests. Actually, I'm going to let Heidi ask this question. Oh, oh, oh man, I'm not going to ask it in the very, very Nadine way because I haven't memorized it yet, surprisingly, no matter how many podcasts I've helped to edit. But that that means, Jonathan, she hasn't listened to any. (laughs) (laughs) No, I promise I do. Jonathan, okay, if money or talent were not an option and you can't say that it's your current role, what would you be doing? Um, I would I'd be a full time dad. That is so interesting that you said that, Jonathan, because Heidi and I were literally just talking about that very thing Mm -hmm. this morning. I just got goosebumps. Tell us what you mean by that. I hate to give the impression that I'm just a part-time dad and that I (laughs) Literally, this is the exact conversation. (laughs) This is so weird. (laughs) Zara and I are lucky. We've got great kids and, you know... I think, uh, you know, when we moved to the US, I had that opportunity to just suddenly be with them the whole time. And you're like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're obviously a bit older now, but I, I think it's the thing that we miss often, which is like, you do everything else and then and then you spend time really, really focused with your family. And I just wish we could in some way reverse that. I think I, I'm very aware that, you know, I'm lucky to be able to work from home. There's many people that can't do that right now. 
and but it, it opens your eyes to the kind of what you're missing just by being you know they're in the other room now they're they're at school just in the other room uh because of the snow actually today not because of covid but um and you're sort of aware of like oh there's all this it's very immediate and i i think that would be my that would be yeah i'd love to just spend more time with them and it would be a better life i think wow the the world and and i'm not to say i, I don't mean to say that folks weren't thinking about spending more time with their children before COVID or before a traumatic life event. But the fact that the entire world just became more appreciative despite being stuck in a house together all the time, and, but loving that moment and those opportunities. Again, I think we're in for a, a very beautiful future. I hope I'm optimistic about a beautiful future. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Absolutely. So Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. And Heidi, thank you for co-hosting with me. Appreciate you so much. Of course, it was fun. Great to talk to you, Jonathan. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. And thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, we are delighted to share your news and we will be cheering for you as always here at Adweek. So congrats again on your new role and we'll talk again soon. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 